podcast that takes you behind the Las Vegas Sportsbook from the guys who actually work behind it with your hosts, Alan Berg and Dave Sharapan. Hello, boys. This is the Cash Considerations Podcast. I am Dave Sharapan, not Sharapan, otherwise known as that. I am tonight with my main man, A.B. Allenberg. How are you, sir? Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're my guy. No, my no, guy. it's all good. Yep. And uh, tonight we got our special guest, our college uh College football specialist. He's going to be our college basketball specialist going forward as well. Mo Toy Pearson. Mo, how are you tonight, man? Don't make me blush, man. Don't make me blush. <laughs> no, I'm still getting over the New Year's deal, man. I'm trying to still waking up, man. But uh, how was been it? Kind of rough. You recovered? No, uh, yesterday was. I've been. I was just sweating alcohol out all all day, man, at work and sweating out plays with Georgia. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, speaking of bowl games, uh, we're going to tackle what we saw and uh, just give our thoughts, you know, reviews, things like that. And um, after we get through to college, we're going to kind of look ahead to the, the national championship game. And for that, it'll probably just be me and Mo, if that's all right with you, Al. Hey, that's fine. All right, brother. Hit the mute button on your phone then, on your thing, so we can, me and Mo will go at that, and then we'll go jump you back in, and we'll discuss some NFL and what we saw that crazy week 17 and uh, going forward from coaches fired, coaches being retained. I can't wait to hear what Al says about that, and we'll look ahead to the lines for the, for the upcoming wild card weekend. So... That's what we're going to tackle tonight. Mo, uh, I'll lead you off with this. This has been a really crazy bowl season. We're both in the same bowl contest. Um, Mine didn't go as well as yours, but I started going for last place because you get your money back, and I am smoking hot picking games now, and I got a shot at getting my money back. I'm 27-12 and in the wrong way. Which is in, which is absolutely ridiculous. But favorites this this bowl season are twenty three and sixteen straight up, but against the spread they're twenty and nineteen. What do you attribute this to? I mean, the lines were ridiculously close in a lot of the bowl games, and like what we saw on New Year's Day, not just from the national championship game, playoff games, but the other bowl games that morning, dog winning outright, dog winning outright with Central Florida. I mean, there were some really good bowl games, no? Yeah, on the uh, on the way back down, uh, maybe like midway through the bowl season, it seemed like the dogs were taking control, uh, where the favorites were kind of pummeling opponents early in the smaller bowl games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, they had a lot of time to rest, and they came to play, especially the ones, uh, yeah, on Monday. Uh, as far as the one that no one really talked about, Iowa State beating Memphis straight up, uh, I thought was really impressive all the way down to Michigan's blow-up against South Carolina, blowing a 19-3 to lead late in the second half. Yeah, dude. It just it didn't seem like um, there were too many blowouts, at least um, not, not even early on. There were a couple, you know, Ohio, UAB, um, Temple, Florida International. I mean, there were, you know, Florida Atlantic killed Akron. We called that one. 
But as the games got later, other than like Virginia getting destroyed by Navy, oh. <laughs> uh, Michigan, yeah, Michigan State really beat up forty-two to seventeen over Washington State. But then after that, the games were close. They were a lot of scoring. Um, the totals were high, but uh, you know there were still a lot of overs as well. We've, how about, how about Notre Dame? Games. How about Notre Dame losing to LSU or beating LSU on a, on that late touchdown? Yeah, it's rough. I, I remember hearing about prior to that game even happening, uh, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for LSU, who's uh, the name's pretty. It rings out pretty well as far as uh, from an offensive standpoint. But they were going to let him go. Um, they didn't want to renew his contract. I didn't know if that had anything to do with how bad they played on Monday. But you know, Notre Dame came out and. Did you see that incredible catch late in the game? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was it was pretty wild, man. Considering I had to watch most of the highlights because uh, I was still recovering from the night prior, but you know, <laughs> I got up and and watched enough of the games to kind of make sure uh, I knew what was going on, uh, especially keying in on that UCF win, which was huge. For the listeners, Mo, what time did you get to sleep New Year's Eve night slash New Year's Day morning? I was I, I got home around seven thirty in the morning. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, That's what a twenty-something bu- year old still does. Wow. My buddy, my buddies were trying to hold me down. They were still, you know, trying to, you know, go to town. And I was like, "Look, man, it's time. Like, you know, people are leaving. This is getting out of hand." So, and yeah, my they they called me later that day and they said they they weren't done till about eleven thirty. So. Wow, wow, that's strong. <laughs> oh my god. But um. Yeah, it, it got pretty wild, uh, you know, throughout the middle of it. But, you know, between 12 and 4 o'clock, it was, it was really cool. It was oh, nice. Good. All right, well, uh, <laughs> let's jump into a quick recap of these playoff games. Georgia-Oklahoma, 54-48 in overtime, double overtime. Georgia gets it done thanks to, you know, the, the two-headed monster running backs tandem. Um, do can they uh, be, can they beat Alabama? See, this is uh, like I, you know something that Alabama uh, recruits for because uh, they know that you know there's a lot of talent in the SEC. Uh, but considering they had all that time to um, uh, recover from um, you know losing to Auburn, getting in and getting excited, you know that game against Clemson right there, it's going to be hard to run on a you know in any of those guys at this point. So you know. They're going to have to get some schemes, um, you know, caught up there with uh, Georgia's offensive line because they're they're in for a big one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you can – we tell people all the time, you know, don't just take what you saw last and apply it, you know, to the next game because Georgia was running free through some major holes and – a lot of, I mean, a couple of those runs were untouched, 50-yard runs, 60-yard runs. They're, those those holes are not going to be there against Alabama. Uh, you got a, you got a, a, you know, enough athletic guys, um, uh, you know, that play in the SEC, um, but the elite, you know, run through Alabama. So I guess if there's a challenge, usually they come, uh, they get to the bell and, and ring it for the, you know, for any challenger that gets there, but. It's the national championship. It's just going to be hard to, uh, um, you know, kind of win any battles against a team that's there frequently every other year. So, from what you saw from Alabama-Clemson, 
what what do you take away from that game, at least from what you saw? For me, I saw a healthy team, uh, a motivated, obviously, team. But, you know, this motivation argument really has to go out the window. These kids are all there. They want to play. The coaches are there. They want to win. Like, you know, yeah, maybe when things go bad, they kind of lose the fight. Um, you know, but to, to hear the argument that Auburn wasn't motivated to play, <laughs> uh when, you know, losing to Central Florida is ridiculous to me. You know, Malzahn wanted to, t- to to coach the team. The kids had to want to be there. Central Florida was just better. That's all. Alabama, yeah, they've, uh... Uh, you know, they look so strong. I-, I read a great quote that it looks like they took a prototype for every position on the defensive side of the ball, and that's who's there. <laughs> they, have, they have monsters <laughs> at every position. So... Do they have enough offense to beat Georgia in the in the championship? Well, see, yeah, that's the difference. Where uh, where they dominated a team that loses Deshaun Watson, uh, Mike Williams, um, and I think uh, Wayne Gallman Jr., who headed it to the Giants. Yeah, I mean, they, they lost a lot. And where Kelly Bryant couldn't take the top off the defense with his arm, uh, they failed in that trying to uh, move the chains on, you know, second and manageable or uh, third down. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're dealing with a team that, you know, if you go down by, you know, seven to ten points, uh, it's kind of hard. To, it's going to be hard to see the light of day if you can't move the ball past the 50. So that, that was Clemson's issue, in my opinion. Um, offensively, you know, Alabama just took what they got, uh, ran a lot of the clock out, tried to get out of there with the W, which they did. Yeah, that's what they do. And I would I, it would be interesting to see, and we kind of saw it against Auburn, um, them having to be forced to be one-dimensional is not good for Alabama. If they have to, you know, kind of abandon that run and, and killing the clock and, and just churning out a couple first downs and happy to kick it away and play field position, if they have to line up, spread it out, and try to score quick with passing, they're going to be in trouble. Um, they, that game was 10-6, to 6 and Clemson was driving – when that turnover happened and it completely swung all the momentum, the, the, the pick six was the end of the game. Once it was three scores, it was over. I thought. Yeah, cr- crushed them. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I mean, th- to begin the second half, uh, down only ten three. Uh, the first play was a fumble by Alabama. They had a. Uh, right. They were trying to get a read going, and um, they kind of mishandled the ball on the on the on the handoff, and uh, Clemson still couldn't budge and get any yards, even you know further into the red zone. Uh, which I, I think Sweeney was, you know, hurt. That I know they got points off it, but it killed them. A touchdown there could have really swung the game in their favor as far as momentum. Oh, yeah. Touchdown would have been huge, and I think it would have changed. It would have kept the belief alive in Clemson because you felt like they had to settle for the field goal, but it wasn't It wasn't good. Like, it, it they kind of like, man, we still can't move the damn ball, you know? Right, so right, right, right. It, it really did rip their heart out. But, yeah, the the mentality of playing behind is one thing, but if you're playing behind playing Bama, <laughs> I feel like that's a whole different monster. So right, uh, it's it's something that Georgia's going to have to get ready for, um, you know, get out, shoot quick, and um, you know any any schemes that they got ready, uh, you know, try to try to you know get the pedal to the metal as quick as you can, and get some points on the board because it's going to be a long day. Well, what do you think? The line is Bama minus four or four and a half. The total's 45 and a half. There's a couple 45s out there. 
Um, you got an opinion yet or, or looking ahead? Which way do you see the line moving? Let's start there. Well, we initially opened here uh, at three and a half, uh, 47. And some of our more respected guys took three and a half, obviously, where the number was. Um, but I, right now, it's it looks like it's about two to one in tickets on Bama. And we see some liability on the tide as well. So uh, I can't see it not going up. You know, maybe like around five, five and a half. I see where it stops. Uh, if it gets to six or anything like that, I think you'll see some sharper moves on a Georgia getting six or anything more than that. Do you think the game being in Atlanta is any edge for Georgia at all? I don't think so. Uh, Bama can play anywhere. You know, they could play a rainstorm in, you know, South Africa or whatever, you know, the team they got with the coaching they got. Uh, I, I don't even think it really matters where they play. Uh, I think it could matter to Georgia, obviously. That's, you know, right around the corner of where, you know, where they get down at. But, you know, if you're, if you're going up against a team like Bama, you know, those, those edges only, only work for so long if you're not playing well. Right. Uh, how much is it, the game going to depend on Georgia and the freshman quarterback? Uh, I think it's, it's like probably the biggest thing in my opinion, because if they can't get, you know, Chubb and Michelle out, um, uh, you know, to bail them out here and there, especially er early in the downs, you know, seeing Fromm throw on second and long or third and long to move the chains. Uh, that's where Clemson kind of got rattled at because they couldn't get first downs. And uh, if Georgia can't get first downs in the same deal, it, it, it could it could mean trouble. Does Fromm move well in the pocket? Yeah, yeah, he's got fresh legs. He looked really good against Oklahoma. Um, you know, I know a lot of people thought the defense wasn't as good, but I think Oklahoma's defense played as well as they could. Um, you know, they just got into a into a fight of adjustments uh, late in that game where, um, you know, uh, the offensive line got a little bit more push. And uh, Fromm was incredible out there on a few downs where they weren't running the ball. And uh, he kept them going on a lot of the drives, man. He helped them out. Really impressed. Well, I got a feeling he's going to get hit a lot, and he's going to need to make those sidesteps and step-ups and keep plays alive um, because he's going to be faced with a lot of second and, and uh, long or third and long situations. So they're going to need him to make plays, obviously. Um, do you think there's a coaching edge at all with it being, you know, a former assistant and, and Kirby Smart going against Saban? Yeah, it seems like the stat that's running out right now is uh, Saban's 11-0 against uh, his former <laughs> assistants. Yep. And um, it looks like it's been uh, averaged at uh, Saban's team's 38 to assistants 10. So that's not really boding well right now for Kirby Smart. Um, yeah, no, I think it does play a factor, a huge factor. I mean, it seems, it's not like he's going to be intimidated any or anything to um, battle his, uh, you know, uh, you know, mentor uh, as far as Kirby. Um, but Saban knows. I mean, he knows his guys. And, um, you know, where Kirby was, you know, perfect, where Saban loved him, that's where he's going to be battling at. You know, he's going to try to take all that stuff away that he knows the most. Right. All right, buddy, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Not, You don't have to give your 100% play right now, but if you're looking ahead and you're going to make a play on this game, what are you thinking side in total? Oh man. <laughs> on a on a Tuesday. 
Uh, I like the under uh, right out the gate. I, I think it's going to be more of the same. I think Georgia will actually be able to run a little bit, um, you know, more than uh, more than people, you know, think Alabama. They will. Right. Yeah. Because they got a couple of backs that they can, you know, they got some, some guys that can run and um, the way that Georgia can scheme on some plays. I think they'll be able to catch some breaks and, you know, get some yards uh, going down towards the red zone. So it should take some time off the clock. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I think it's going to be close right now. I'm just going to go out and say 21, 17 Bama. Ooh, fall on the number. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit closer, but I think it's going to, it's going to be under right now. I'm just kind of throwing out a score. I know it's going to be in that range right now. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's it's hard to really say. These teams have scored a lot on, a, you know, a bunch of different teams. But I think in a game like this, uh, it's going to be more of a war of attrition, um, grinding out the clock and getting some scores late, getting some quick, uh, some tough first downs. All right, buddy. Well, that sounds good. Appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, please follow Mo on Twitter at he these at- takes right. Correct. Heed these takes. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank so, you. You got it. We're <laughs> gonna bring we're gonna bring Alan in to talk some NFL. Mo, now that we have this uh, remote capability, we're gonna be able to bring you in, uh, hopefully, on Friday, and uh, see your updated thoughts going towards the weekend. All right. Oh, of course. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll update everybody on uh, you know, what they want to know for the game, especially because the handle will be up will be up by then, so we should be cool. Good stuff, Mo. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. Make sure you hit dude on your phone. You got it, man. Thanks, Dave. Alan Berg, welcome back to the show. Thanks for giving Mo the spotlight there. How are you? Uh, I got to, man. I got to. The kid's the the future. He's the future. And the present, maybe. Well, yeah, he's the present for sure, being out until (laughs) 7 o'clock in the morning on New Year's (laughs) Eve. Uh, we were long asleep by then, Al. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yep. man, I'll tell you. Uh, well, I know we were long asleep, too, because of what we saw on Sunday. Um, favorites went 10-6 and six Sunday in the NFL. That was a pretty crazy finish to the day when they moved all the games late. What was your one or two big takeaways from what we saw on Sunday? Um, with the Ravens, it was the... Classic Dennis Green, we are who they who we thought they were. Um, you know, I kind of was saying how much I thought the Bengals were live, and and that one played out pretty much how I expected. It went a little, the game got a little crazy total wise, um, with just a lot of fluke plays and some wild things that happened. But um, that really didn't didn't surprise me too much. Most of the games kind of went, I think, the way that the majority of us figured they would. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't think anything really was that crazy. How about you? Um, well, I was surprised. Um, well, I'm not really surprised, but, you know, there were just a couple games that Philly just didn't try. I guess they're okay with where they're at, and they had nothing to play for okay. Um, Seattle surprised me. I, I, I Not that they – you know, I, I didn't think they would cover. We talked about that, but I didn't think there was any right. way they would win that. They would not win that game um, to close out the season and at least give themselves a shot to get in the playoffs. So I think they. 
I think they got in trouble with the – there was probably the Arians' retirement speech in the locker room. And I think if we'd have known about that, those those guys came out and I think they just played harder. They just wanted to send him out with a win, you know, with all the injuries they had. Um, you know, and Arians is a good coach. So I think that, that might have that might have got to the players and they really wanted to take it to him in Seattle. Right. And the other one that kind of surprised me was <laughs> – was the Saints losing to Tampa? I, I, we, that was another one we talked about. We both kind of liked Tampa plus the points, um, right? But the Saints blowing that game—it's it, just a little surprising. It's just that—that that is always a tough game for them, and uh, it was just one of those things where I thought, all right, the Saints have a shot to win the division, and I don't know, maybe they didn't want to play. Uh, Whoever the sixth seed is, they didn't want to play Atlanta again. I don't know, but yeah, I think I think that might have factored in. I I think just when you put these teams in these situations, uh, it's such a physical game that when you don't really have a ton to play for, I just don't know if you got it for four quarters. And I mean, I think that essentially is what happened to that D. And you know, outside of a few mistakes here and there that Jameis Winston made. Uh, they were they were playing like that was their Super Bowl. The, the Bucks were, and I think that just had a lot to do with the result we we're getting. With you know the Saints just looking forward to the playoffs, and you know, like I said, when you lock up the division and you and you're not going to get, uh, you know, a buy, I think you're more worried about your health and all these right. things, especially yeah. late in the game. You know. Yeah, yeah, the win and loss. You're right. It goes in the back burner if if it even stays on the oven. You know, it might just go away completely. Just, yeah, you know, get these guys it, it, out and whatever happens, happens. It's a thing to keep in mind uh, when we look at next year's week 17 to maybe look at this stuff kind of in running and see if uh, anything kind of sticks out where you're like, eh, let me, you know, put a couple bucks on this team that is down less than a touchdown in the fourth kind of thing and see what happens. Yeah. Well, there's definitely opportunity there because a lot of those games yeah. did go that way and back and forth. And, exactly. You know, there yeah, was yeah. there was a lot of lead changes in in those games, so there was definitely sure. opportunity for sure. Yeah. How about uh, how about your your boys uh, avoiding the Corey Coleman first down? That was hilarious. Uh, I didn't the ball was right through his hands. Oh, you didn't see it? Oh, the Browns. The Browns went when they went zero and sixteen. They had a fourth down play. Kaiser throws a perfect ball to Corey Coleman for a first down that would put him, I think, like at the 12. Oh, yeah, 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 going yeah. in to win, and it goes right through his hands yeah. and nearly hits him in the face. Oh, right, yeah. Incredible. I, I did see that, actually. That was, uh, I, I just started laughing and thought they they were being given the game, or at least an opportunity there, and they can't even get it right. That's all I thought. I, know. I was like, oh, my God, this is just. Oh, it's incredible. Well. Speaking of that, um, that guy gets to keep his job. Hugh Jackson, uh, 0-16, incredible. keeps his job. Were there any firings that surprised you? Um, No, not thus far. I think that a lot of the guys that finally got shown their walking papers were, were right. And um, I, I, I would say, if anything surprised me, is that there were a few that weren't fired leading off of Marvin Lewis. But, again... I thought and you were I've kidding set... with me today when you sent me that text. <laughs> I said, this can't be right. It just shows you, like, how cheap the Bengals are. I mean, that's essentially what it is, is that, you know, you've got an organization that, that you know, they're just not really going to commit to winning. They they have an NFL team. He doesn't spend on free agents. He 
They oddly, they're one of the weirdest teams because they actually draft well for the most part. I mean, they've had some some good players that they've drafted, and and that's what's kept them, you know, running. And they have a stabilized organization in the sense that they do keep Marvin Lewis around. But you so. just got to feel like, yeah, I mean, you just got to feel like, a, you know, eventually, like, we're, what are we leaving out here? I mean, do we have a good enough team that could have won, you know, could have been to a Super Bowl or are we not evaluating talent maybe that we're, that we're missing, that we let go or whatever the case may be? But it, some of that's just mind-boggling. So To, to put it in a, in a baseball analogy, it's, he's Dusty Baker. Like, Dusty Baker had talented teams and just couldn't win in Washington. Like, right? He just couldn't right. get over that hump. Marvin Lewis had some really talented teams. I mean, they were really yeah. good there for a long time. He couldn't win a playoff game. The guy has <laughs> never won a playoff game. And I know it's incredible. It just—I I mean, I always say you can't fire the coach unless you got a better replacement or at least a different replacement. Like we're going to change the culture, you know, we go from the disciplinarian to the players' coach, and all that nonsense goes back and forth. But you got to have a right. change. Like you're just not doing something. So whatever it is, at this point, we've earned a right for a change. I, I just start laughing. I'm like, it's, I'm all right with it because they're in the Steelers' division, and <laughs> I don't think they're going to be able McCart- to overcome them. So that's fine. It's the McCarthy effect for me. Same, right. same deal. You there know, you I look at this guy. You've got one of the greatest quarterbacks that in the 37 years I've been alive that I've ever seen. And as a Bears fan, I just get to laugh because I know, okay, congratulations, you're going to beat the Bears again while we're reloading. But Aaron Rodgers is going to take you to the playoffs again, and you're going to lose because you're not going to have a good team, and you're not going to have a team that's well coached. And the guy, the guy is one player. He can't carry the whole wagon, you know, and I, it's just – insane to me that like with the amount of minds that are out there that you can go get that could you know rebuild this Packer D with like some type of a defensive scheme because Aaron Rodgers got the offense man you let him run that he, he's got it like he knows what to do against these teams they need a defensive mind coach to come in there solidify the D find some key guys to bring in and because I mean the Packers are so good at home too with the energy of that mm-hmm. place it's crazy to me, but I mean, as a Bears fan, I love it. It's it's hysterical. I mean, they're just wasting this Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. It, well, they, it's just crazy. They made changes upstairs, though, right? They got they changed the GM or something, and changed the the president or player. Yeah, but I never, I never under, I never understand those moves when you're not changing the head coach. You know, like when it's already yeah. said, okay, well, we're bringing in a new GM, but the head coach is staying the same. Then it's like, okay, well, then the GM's below the coach, so in a way, it's like, what's changing? Right. You know, he gets to throw in his two cents and McCarthy can say, eh, I don't really like that guy. We're not taking him. I mean, is that what it comes down to? I don't know. You know I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's all depends on organization, you know, because some some places the GM is running the show and the coaches, you know, kowtows to him. And then other places, especially when the coach has tenure and they bring in new GMs, obviously the coach probably has the final say. You can bring in a guy and. No, oh, he's just not good enough, and he doesn't play. You know, like the coach right, can make the right. decision there. So, uh. well, and I get that with like you know, if you bring in a guy under Belichick or you know somebody who's actually done something. And I mean, he he essentially got one Super Bowl, and you know, I mean, you could argue that that had a lot to do with who was calling plays on defense. Uh, you know, and the fact he had Aaron Rodgers, and I, you know, I, that's the thing. I, I just, from an evaluation standpoint, I just don't see it. I just don't see it from that guy. Right. All right, well, enough coaching talk. Let's look at this wild card weekend. Uh, boy, we got some real exciting games, Al. I don't know. Uh, looking ahead, 
It is the playoffs, <laughs> but man, this AFC is a mess. The first one on the rotation is Saturday afternoon, Tennessee at Kansas City, and uh, the linesmakers hung a big number here, eight. It's already creeped up to nine in a couple places. A teaser number, obviously, 44 and a half. First impression here for you? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was talking to one of my buddies, uh, Kyle Wilson, about the Titans and uh, Chiefs game. And, like, of the guys that I know uh, that I would consider to be, like, some of the sharper guys I know, it's split three and three. Mm-hmm. Of of what they like, like one, uh, two of the three guys that like the Titans thinks the Titans are winning the game. So they're not even worried about. It. They're like, oh, the points are gold. They're like, if they're gonna win, they're gonna beat the Chiefs. And then I have other friends that are like, oh man, you can lay the lumber with the Chiefs. Like they're gonna crush the Titans. So as a guy who has been completely bashing the Titans, uh, you can't get me to bet on them. But I will say that the the Chiefs are just crazy. They're they're such a weird. Uh, team this year and I, I don't I couldn't back them at this kind of a spread and there's no way I'm a money line player uh, chalk that is so you know for me it's a complete pass game um, I, I want nothing to do with it I probably won't even watch it that's how uninterested I am in this game they finished with uh, prior to winning the game at Denver last week as a three or four point dog they had three home games in a row in Kansas City, they all they won and covered all of them, and all three went under. Um, it is a hard place to play, obviously, especially later in the season. Playoff game, the number feels inflated to me too. Got to be honest. Uh, yes, they 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 refound their offense, scoring points, uh, twenty six, thirty, and twenty nine in those three home games. So, first thought, I have no idea. I'm going to sit and wait and see where this line goes. And I expect it to go up um, because Tennessee is going to be a hard one for the public to back, I think. So it won't go up much because the suitcases will come and slam Tennessee, especially if you've got guys that think Tennessee is going to win the game. That's kind of surprising yeah, to me. That That's kind of, you know, my take on it. I mean, I suppose if I was going to do anything like, you know, with the old gun to my head analogy, I, I'd probably just throw a couple bucks on Titans money line just okay. so I had action, you know, but like I said, I, I, there's no way I'm playing either of these teams. I, I just am not a fan of either one. Um, I, I joked around, I think like three weeks ago on Twitter, I said, man, I can't wait for the Titans and chiefs playoff game. <laughs> you did say that. I know you <laughs> and here we are. It had to take the Ravens lose it. It had to take the bills win it on the road. And then you nailed it. It all came true. It was perfect. Hot mess. Yep. yep. Um, all right. Well, we'll skip the NFC game Saturday night. We'll go back to that. We'll stay in the AFC Buffalo at Jacksonville Sunday morning. Another big number, Jacksonville minus eight, pretty much solid across, 39.5, 40-ish um, for the total. I mean, both these teams haven't been in the playoffs in forever. It's been 10 years for Jacksonville, 17 years for Buffalo since uh, they've been in the playoffs. And, and for Jacksonville to host a game, the last one was in 1999. Uh, All right. So they're both, you know, almost new. Obviously, McCoy's status is huge in this game, isn't it, for Buffalo? Yeah, I wrote my Game of Day article about this game, and I said, to me, this is, an, this is a lay. If, if McCoy doesn't play, you lay the eight. If he, if he does play, you take the eight. So 
you know, I feel like as soon as somebody gets a real good read on what's going to go down with him, that's when you should see some movement. Um, yeah, otherwise, I, I just don't see how right now you can back either team it's just because of the spread being what it is. So if he doesn't play, do you think it reaches 10? Um, if it does, I think you'll see it come back down to nine and a half just because you're getting the double digits in a, in a low and what people will consider a low scoring game. But yeah, I, I think that I think that's possible. And if he if does play, he'll probably play. go to seven, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think you'll see some steady eights, but I still have a feeling the public will still want to back Jacksonville. But uh, it's kind of early to tell right now, just you know, with it being Tuesday and all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. It, it's a weird it's a weird spread in the sense that, like I said, you just don't know what what where we're going with this. I mean, if a guy. It's weird because I was saying the other day, like that Tyrod Taylor's done a pretty good job at quarterback, and the receivers can't get open, which he's been able to magically like not turn the ball over a ton, mm-hmm. uh, just by kind of holding it and you know trying to do what he can. And so to me, I never think a running back's really worth that much, but but in the situation that that he's in, McCoy to me is a big like he's a one he's a one and a half to maybe even two point player for this team in my opinion. Well, because. Buffalo's probably not going to score a touchdown if he doesn't play. Yeah, yeah, that's kind yeah. of my thinking. Like, yeah. I just, you know, it'd have to be a blown coverage, and I mean, they're playing at home in a playoff game. You got to feel like if there's any Jaguar fans in the world, they're going to be amped up in that stadium. You right. Know? <laughs> Jags D, baby. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll discuss it again on Friday. For um, sure. All right, go to the NFC Saturday night primetime game. Atlanta at the Rams. Line opened five, five and a half, I think, or six. It's just six pretty good now, six and a half. Total opened a little high, 49, 49 and a half. I see some 48s, 48 and a halfs now. Um, kind of a contrast here. Uh, Atlanta's gone five straight unders, and 10 of their last 13 games have gone under. The Rams are just over every game. They just score, 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 and keep laying it on. Uh, I like the Rams kind of mailing it in and letting Jimmy G look like Joe Montana uh, <laughs> and, and, and kind of laying low and just saying, yeah, we're getting ready for next week. Atlanta's right. uh, pretty good on the road. Uh, what do you make of here? Oh, man, I'll tell you, at first glance, I, I like the Rams. Um, but I think the thing for me is I like the over more. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 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 happy that it's coming down. Uh, that might be that might be bad for me. Who knows? But I I like the total over. I I think that these teams will definitely put up over 49 points. I'll be very interested to see Goff uh, and how he handles a little bit of adversity in this game. I think he's matured a lot this year. I think he has. Um, I mean, with McVay at the controls. He has been successful way beyond what anybody saw or thought, I think. you know. And he had no shot last year with Fisher, obviously. But uh, between Gurley running the ball and the weapons they have offensively, it's going to be very interesting. I, I, my first thought is that it might be too many points, but if it gets below six, five and a half or five really looks appealing to me. Again, and it's just Tuesday, so we're just kind of – discussing things and throwing it out there yeah absolutely it's it is a little early i mean um 
you know, the Rams, I, I want to, I want to say I like them, but again, kind of the whole golf thing. I mean, you know, as, as well as some of the listeners that I'm no fan of golf. I still think this is the McVeigh, you know, like just, just legoing things together with a, <laughs> maybe above average, yeah. like, you know, guy as far as throwing the ball, but I, I still think mentally the game's probably too fast for him. But with that said, um, I don't know. I just feel like the, the energy of the Rams and the way they've been able to just pretty much score on most teams outside of like Minnesota. I, I just think that if Atlanta wins, they're going to have to hang with them scoring. And, I, and that's why I like, I, I tend to lean under for sure. Who's or, defense I mean, you, over, sorry. Over. Whose defense do you rate better? Atlanta's or the Rams? Oh, the Rams. Me too. Definitely. Definitely the Rams. Yeah. Um, Atlanta just doesn't bring it every week. And that that's one of those things I don't like about defenses like that. You know, like, like they, they looked great last week against Carolina, but then I could totally see them laying an egg this week. They just haven't been consistent. Right. They need to put pressure on. If they don't put pressure on, there's going to be a lot of open uh, receivers for golf. Even if it's dink and dunk, he's going to move the right. ball and move chains. And I mean, the first, obviously the first order of business is to stop Gurley. Because if he gets yeah. going, forget it. The play-action passes that, will get him really rolling. And that's where I really like McVeigh. I think that he'll have a great game plan. And I think that when they're trying to focus on Goff, all of a sudden Gurley's going to have the ball. If when they try to focus on Gurley, then Goff's going to hit, you know, Sammy Watkins for four, Robert mm-hmm. Woods for six. And you're going to see a couple broken wide receiver-type runs, that kind of thing. And, you know, Atlanta, I mean, the one thing Atlanta does have going for them, they went to the Super Bowl and they were able to – you know, rebound from that loss and actually make the playoffs again, which is an accomplishment for when you lose the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, they're, they're battle tested for sure. And that'll give them a, that'll give them a good chance to stay competitive in the game. And again, that's why I keep going back to the over. Right. Yeah. They built up a lot of scar tissue blowing that lead in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, last game sat, uh, Sunday afternoon, Carolina at the saints round three. The Saints won the first two. Uh, week three, they beat them 34-13 uh, to 13 in Carolina when Carolina was still trying to figure things out. And it was the first win of the season for the Saints. In round two, the Saints won at home 31-21. to 21, And that was in week 12 or week 13. I can't remember. But uh, Carolina's 1-4 against the spread in their last five in New Orleans. They're 0-6 against the spread in their past six meetings head-to-head. Has Carolina got a shot at winning this game? Oh, man. Um, You know, the stats don't back it up. That's the first thing I want to say. From I think it was like from 1970, more often than not, a team that gets swept by a division rival ends up losing the third game in the playoffs. Um, But Carolina hasn't played their best game against the Saints, so I think on that level there's hope, and they are – a balanced team. Um, but you know, I, I, I tend to lean the points here with, if you get the seven, just cause I feel like Carolina can hit you with that back door, uh, you know, the back door cover, but man, it's tough to go against the saints in a, in a, in a playoff game. I mean, you think that place is loud when it's a regular season game and then you go walk in in a playoff game and they're like, wow. So, uh, going to be a great game though. I think that that's going to be one where, you know, it could be like cut like I usually say like you know team with the team with the ball last you know wins but this seems like team with the ball last covers right forty eight you know? and a half's the total are we expecting 
a high-scoring game. First blush, I think, the first one was 34-13, that's 47. Second one was 31-21, that's 52. So the number's pretty good, 48-and-a-half. Right I would actually mix. say, yeah, I, I would say, at first, first glance, I would lean a little to the under. I expect the both teams to try to run the ball, especially Carolina, to try to keep the Saints off the field. But, again, we'll see the way the way which way the number moves. Um, yeah, I kind of like I kind of like the first half under when when I think about it because I just think it might take them a little bit to get into a rhythm with all the energy you know of playing in the playoffs and that kind of thing. Maybe you know you're not going to see too many broken runs or offenses might be a little jittery just you know right out the gate kind of thing. So I mean, if you're getting 24, I think that's a little high. Okay, that's something to take a look at. Um, are you? Thinking any, are you doing like a playoff fantasy uh, contest or anything like that? Are you no, looking for no, any individual performances that we should be talking about today on Tuesday as far uh, as player props or things like that? I like Kamara. Uh, anything Kamara over against Carolina. <laughs> I just like his rushing yards over. Will he score? Yes. I just think he's going to be such a huge part of the game plan. I really think that that's one guy I expect to have a big week. He's he's such a two-way player for them. I mean, catch, catching the ball, running the ball. I mean, wow, what a season. Um, I, I think one thing to keep an eye on, too, is uh, Leonard Fournette against the Bills. Um, you know, the Bills have not been very good at stopping the run. So, um, you know, he could have one of those uh, Superman-type games. That, that He's only kind of showing sparks of it, and that has a lot to do with the fact that Bortles is his quarterback and they, you know, they sell out to stop the run when they play their – play the Jags but um, I think that could be a situation where they wear them down with the with the uh, amount of carries they'll give him so you could see some maybe big runs from him in that and then uh, maybe like quarterback wise I'd maybe look at Matt Ryan I think he could you know have one of those three four touchdown type games against the Rams whether they're winning or losing are they 100% healthy the Falcons as far as like Freeman and everybody on that offense are they are they all healthy uh, I don't know if anybody's fully healthy at this point, at this point in the right. season. You know, I mean, everybody's got some kind of uh, some kind of injuries and these kinds of things. But I think I think that they'll be all right. I mean, they did have the extra games, you know, coming in from last year. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't think it's to the point where you say, oh, they're in, they're in trouble because of you know the injuries have piled up. So I wouldn't go there yet with it. Okay. Uh, last thought here. Before we sign off, which team, one or two seed, do you think has the biggest chance to get upset after this week's games going to next week in the divisional round? Hmm. Um, let's see here. Well, let's let's just make it simple, and we'll just kind of say that all the favorites win in the wild card. So that sets us up with Jacksonville at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Kansas City at New England. Uh, the Rams at Minnesota. Minnesota, and then the Saints at Philly. Um, poof, man, I'd ha- I'd have to say Jacksonville beats Pittsburgh. Mm. Um, you know, I I just feel like that team, like if they get rolling on D, that energy is just you know when when a young team just doesn't know that they're supposed to be you know scared of a playoff game and. The confidence I think they'll have knowing that they beat up on Pittsburgh and 
then you don't know about the health of Antonio Brown. Right. So you that's called the it. One you that said we, it. Jacksonville was going to win a road playoff game. You did I, say I, that I weeks like, ago. You I, yeah, still I'm, feel that way? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'll have, I'll have a, I'll have a small play on them to win the okay. game outright. I think, I think they can do it again. Uh, right. You know, Todd Haley's busy getting beat up outside of bars. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that has, you know. a, that's a big story at home, brother. A lot of people are wanting to know who oh, did it. <laughs> that's hilarious. I, I have half a mind to think it's Big Ben. Maybe he beat him up in front of his wife. Uh, I don't know. Somebody said that too. I mean, it's going to be a number of people. Yeah, they're just oh, not yeah. happy about the play calling, so they just took him out. It's <laughs> incredible. Right. Well, that's going to do what about it for you? us. Uh, I'll save it for the next show. We'll tease that. We'll, we'll plan right. on discussing it on Friday. I want to thank the listeners for joining us. Mo for joining us tonight for college. Al doing his thing again with the pros. And signing off, this is Dave Sherapan. And you have been listening to Cash Considerations. Thank you. Sick.